Welcome to the South Coast Repertory Podcast. I'm Andy Knight, Associate Literary Director. At SCR this October and November, we're pleased to produce Kings by Sarah Burgess, a sharp and fast-paced comedy about Washington lobbyists and their complicated relationships with politicians. Kings had its world premiere at the Public Theater in New York earlier this year. It came on the heels of another play by Sarah, Dry Powder, which also premiered at the Public back in 2016. SCR audiences may remember Dry Powder under its original title, Liquidation Play, which we read here as a part of our new script series in 2014. Kings is directed by Damaso Rodriguez. Damaso is the artistic director of Artist Rep in Portland, and before that he was the associate artistic director at Pasadena Playhouse. Damaso is directed at theaters across the country and makes his main stage debut at SCR with Kings. Uh, today I have the playwright Sarah Burgess and director Damaso Rodriguez joining me in the studio. Welcome to you both. Hey. Hey. Good. Glad to be here. So, Sarah, I want to start with you. Um, Kings is set in such a strange and sort of fascinating world, and one I think that many, you know, lay people aren't familiar with, the world of lobbyists. Uh, when and how did you first become interested in that world? Um, I'm from Alexandria, Virginia, which is a suburb right outside D.C. Alexandria, that part of Virginia is sort of, a lot of different people live there um, with some connection to the government, but... Um, it's sort of known for, um, like, often not where I'm from exactly, but sort of like well-off people who work in the private sector around D.C. So I grew up around um, all the different types of jobs people do in the government and um, some people who were elected officials. My parents were in the military. Um, but I've had sort of a long-term interest in, like, the culture of D.C. and what it's like to live there and um, – build a career as a permanent fixture in D.C. while elected officials and administrations come and go. Um, I've tried writing a few different things about my hometown, and it's always been a little bit tricky. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I read an article in the Time, the New York Times, about these retreats that lobbyists uh, will attend with a senator or member of Congress that are paid for by lobbyists and donors. And it just seemed there seemed to be something sort of funny about the organized fun of a retreat at like a, you know, a ski resort or at Disney or um, a sort of a, a beach in Bermuda. Um, something that was sort of fun and obviously a little, I guess, kind of grotesque, too, uh, as that relates to our idea of how we want our elected officials to be spending their time. So how did the story begin to take shape? How did you decide to, you know, focus it on two, two female lobbyists mm -hmm. um, and kind of each working for a different sector? I, you know, the first scene of the play that I wrote is the first scene of the play uh, when you see it. And it's, it's about a lobbyist, you know, I, as I, you know, as I read about these fundraisers and retreats that Congress, members of Congress have to attend, I soon encountered a lot of stuff about how much time our members of Congress have to spend fundraising. So the first scene I wrote dictated the story that eventually took shape, which was a, a new member of Congress who sort of kind of galled by how much time she has to spend fundraising. And for a few reasons is not, is, is sort of having a pretty bad reaction to it. Um, and the first scene of the play is a kind of a confrontation between her and this lobbyist and their relationships sort of take shape over time. And that kind of dictated the story. Um, as far as the, the you know, the, the two lobbyists in the play, it used to be a man and a woman um, for a few story reasons, like many drafts ago, they both became women. Um, that was not really a conscious choice. I think I just I was interested in these two lobbyists who've had 
their careers, you know, one has been up and one has been down. They've had sort of different statuses over their relationship. Um, you know, them being the same gender seemed kind of interesting in the way that we tend to be a bit more competitive with people who are our same gender sometimes. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's just me revealing more about my, myself. But just like, you know, in, in sort of removing the, um, you know, my last play had a, was it took place in a private equity firm and there's a sort of male and female character who are always fighting and um, always grappling with each other as far as their status at their firm. So I also was kind of interested in two people doing the same job and, remo- you know, now doing something where it's, you know, not a man and a woman, I guess. Also, I sort of was curious about that. And so, Tom, so I'd love to hear uh, your reaction as as a director, um, just your your initial thoughts after reading the play. Yeah, well, I was um, really excited to r- read a play that was about about politics, but was really about the system behind all these decisions and all these these policies and these these really incendiary uh, issues that are um, sort of in the mainstream in the, uh, in, in the media, right? So there's all of these issues that we're hearing about 24 hours a day, right? And But then the real uh, corruption and baffling and flabbergasting aspects of government are, all, are what, what's at the heart of this play. The uh, campaign financing, the way people use influence uh, to, to dictate a vote, and the way it's, you know, we'd like to think that it's all about ideals and um, principles and and sort of democratic um, concepts, but it's so much of it isn't based on that. It's based on when when you have to vote at a certain point to assure your status within your party. Um, you know, based on when re-election is. So for me to get to do something around this moment, the midterm elections coming up, that kind of wrestles with that. Is this is why I do theater is to um, respond to the times we're in. I love this play because it's funny and it's accessible. You learn through it, but it's it's very entertaining. And so it's like the entertainment and the comedy is a vehicle, vehicle to get you thinking. And so you you said that the play is accessible. And Sarah, I kind of want to ask you about that a little bit. Um, you know, this play takes place in the world of of Washington, specifically with lobbyists, and then your your other play, Dry Powders, and it takes place in private equity. And these are sort of these these specific and and sort of esoteric worlds that are, you know, purpose, they do that on purpose. They keep them esoteric on purpose. You were kind of saying in, in rehearsal that it is confusing intentionally. <laughs> and yet when you when you write this play, when I read this play, I did not know much about lobbying, but I felt like I understood almost all of it. And, you know, the stuff I didn't understand, I didn't know I wasn't understanding. <laughs> it wasn't confusing to me. And and I would love how you make how you make this stuff accessible. What do you do? What is your what? How do you start um, as a writer to mm-hmm. do that? I always am drawn to the language people use when they're talking to someone within in their own field, and how, you know, Andy, if you and I were talking about theater, like there's a way we. Could, I mean, theater is not a very. It's it's kind of a a, a clear cut sort of a world to work in, and people take drama in high school, et cetera. But there's probably a way you and I could talk about an aspect of, of our business that for an outsider would be a little bit hard, you know, it, it would exclude them. Like there's terminology and there's, you know, that, that you and I might use in a shorthand. And I, I've always been sort of drawn to that shorthand and different, um, you know, different industries have their own language. And I, 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 I always want to resist, sometimes probably to my detriment, I sort of can resist backstory for characters. And I also will resist some, t- some types of exposition for the audience, um, which means with 
you know, the first play being taking place in finance, I think it can be especially a bit challenging because it's, it's a world that a lot, you know, it's, it's a very math oriented world and it's an area, it's a field that people often have um, some judgments about and sort of will feel repelled by unless they work in finance. Um, so in that world, I, I you know, I, I sort of like the idea of dropping the audience into the first scene. It's, it's two people who it's a boss and his uh, one of his sort of high high level executives um, talking about a deal. And, you know, the audience may or may not understand everything that's being said. And I consider it, you know, my job to, I guess, have integrity as far as how these two people would kind of talk to each other. Obviously, it's simplified and it's comedy, but to not have them stall the scene to make things clear for the audience. Um, you know, I think I, I'm not sure how sometimes it, it does ask a lot of the audience sometimes. And that's actually not going to always be for everybody, you know, which is something that you know, I, I kind of accept, I guess. But, um, you know, I think the idea is like you you refine the play, you work on it. I think in production and in previews, you can feel how an audience is if you're losing them. I, I would I really like technical detail. And sometimes I have to be told to pull back on that. Um, so it's sort of like hearing from them and understanding from them how much they understand it with this play. You know, because it's about politics, I think the audience does tend to bring even if the lobbyists and politician are speaking in kind of a D.C. code. I have found that audiences do. um we, we tend to have a, a fluency with that stuff, especially these days when politics is such the center of, um, you know, of, of our attention and sort of almost like an entertainment uh, form of entertainment for us. So I, I do find with this play, it's a, it's a bit less tricky with a technical detail sometimes huh. for some or maybe I'm wrong because I'm the writer. So I'm <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Thank you. Damaso. And so yeah, turning to you, Damaso, you know, Sarah explained a little bit how how she she puts this on the page. And I would love to hear how you and the actors are are taking sort of sometimes very dense language and and um, and very deep conversations and and performing them how you're how you're how you're activating them off the page and then specifically with with the humor in the play too you know it's a very it's a fast-paced comedy and so how do you work with the actors on that yeah well we're early in our process we're in our first week and we're spending time sitting around the table unpacking the, te- the text which really means asking a lot of questions right and so one of, one of my uh, sort of pleasures as a director is ultimately I don't really have to know uh, the the details of the world of the play. I just have to know what questions to ask. And I think that's true for actors as well. Now, you eventually need to understand the details, but you, you don't have to arrive being an expert. And uh, we have the luxury of Sarah, uh, our playwright, being in the room. So she is a resident expert right now. We're asking a lot of questions of her in the first week. But I, I'm, I'm looking for... Uh, answers that will activate the performance. So you don't have to understand in the first scene when somebody references carried interest or some bit of of, of tax policy um, uh, involving podiatrists, for example, which is in, in the early moment in the play. But you have to feel that it matters to varying degrees to the character, right? And this this idea of being dropped into a scene uh, in mid-dialogue, right, um, where you don't necessarily understand every word that's being said, but you understand uh, the stakes in the moment, that's very uh, Shakespearean, actually. We're familiar with that feeling of sort of catching up and, and in, intuiting what what what's meaningful to the people on stage. So my job with the cast is just to ask a lot of questions so that they can almost, you take something extremely technical and then you have to like reduce it to something very blunt and actable, right? And so we just do that hundreds of and hundreds of times throughout the entire play and then hopefully, <laughs> you know, the, the story um, lands for the audience. So that's what my job is. In terms of the comedy, um, I think there is a deadpan uh, style to Sarah's writing in these characters are actually extremely intelligent and witty in their own right and in their own world 
they use a lot of humor themselves, I think maybe to navigate this world and kind of survive the frustrating parts of their jobs and in and, and the way, for example, the, that they're resented. So a lot of that is it's casting. It's casting um, actors that get the rhythms of the play intuitively. And uh, we have this cast of four. You know, I think on, on the first day you realize, okay, they kind of get, you know, kind of hear the music in the play. And my job is to sort of set the tone um, uh, as in terms of like it's we're not we're not commenting on these characters. We're trying to play them really truthfully. And the comedy lives in that truth. And so I want to turn to um, politics for a second. This is a this is a play that takes place in a political world. But you've kept Sarah, you've kept partisan politics kind of murky in this play. You don't have specifically the politicians identifying with a specific political party out loud. They certainly do. Um, why did you make that choice? And and what does that what does that add to the storytelling? I was interested. I was interested in something that I don't think is a partisan issue in America, which is the feeling that we, you know, we are, we don't really trust that most politicians are not affected by who their donors are. Um, even though some of us, you know, any of us might have a certain politician that we like or we feel Perhaps irrationally trusting uh, toward, or that we, you know, we we feel like we've read enough to 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 to, be, to believe in them, or we obviously we sort of are with our tribe, and we sort of tell ourselves we like this person. Um, I think that wherever you are in America, they're they're actually the only sort of the sort of hopeful thing underneath this play is that this is like the sort of one thing that we all kind of agree about. So I did not feel that it would be. It's, it just simply is not about Democrats or Republicans, and I was trying to find, you know, the 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 few policy issues that are really talked about in depth and a lot of depth in the play are, are things that are not we we wouldn't really associate with um, one party or the other necessarily, at least the way that they're discussed. So I, I was just trying to avoid that because it's it's this issue, this question of um, what is the what, what kind of feels like legal corruption to a lot of us, even if I don't I'm not a very passionate person. I, I don't really feel any sense of outrage about this because it feels like the normal course of events and perhaps inevitable in a government that's structured the way ours is structured. I just find it interesting. And um, I think that I, I just don't believe there's any connection between I don't believe there's any connection between um, the types of, you know, uh, activities and sort of money um the sort of uh, lobbying and sort of donor situations described in the play, I don't believe there's a connection between those and one party or the other, really, and wasn't that interested in, it, in that. And also was not wanting to, to not wanting to make a certain audience feel. I, I'm not. I, I really don't want to write something that feels like it's if you know I have a certain political orientation that's preaching to the choir um, necessarily. And did you? Did, was it like that from the beginning? Did you ever? Have it, you know, were they identified with a certain party? I think, um, I think maybe they were at some point, but I realized I, I always intended that to not be very meaningful. And then I realized it was too weighed down with meaning for whoever was seeing it, whether it was someone of the party or, or of the opposite party, they would, that would sort of blind them to what was happening. And so we've talked a lot about um, what's on the page. And Donna, so I would love to hear a little bit um, on what audiences are going to see when they come when they come to the production. What what will this play look like and how have you and your design team um, 
found a way to to activate Sarah's text to keep it live alive and keep it moving um, in physical production. Yeah, well, the the play uh, takes place over the course of a dozen scenes or so in many locations, and I think what's interesting, uh, I, I was another la- layer that I found intriguing is that these deals that are that are affecting uh, policy and are sort of presented on television in by the time that someone is speaking on the floor of the House of Representatives or in the Senate the the way they got to that viewpoint and 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 stated that position or made that yes or no vote that that deal was made it turns out in a in a in a restaurant at a in the at the bar uh, at a resort in Disney World um, uh, over golf and so Sarah sets these all the scenes take place in this this is a sort of similar environment and that they're in moderate to high end uh, restaurants and lobbies and lounges and so how do you I wanted to get a sense with the design team. We wanted to get a sense of place and in, let the place sometimes be kind of abs- absurd. You know, there's there's a, there's a couple of scenes in a Chili's restaurant. Um, uh, how do you how do you convey multiple locations in a theater? Um, that's challenging. And also, we feel the play has to move forward at great speed. The humor relies on that. It just needs to sort of constantly be driving forward. So. We created an environment, our scenic designer, Efren Delgadillo Jr., created an environment that is sort of corporate, uh, sort of um, uh, kind of fake lux, you know. Uh, and then we have sort of these key blunt elements like a booth or the kind of decor that's in the restaurant, um, the neon sign, et cetera, that kind of puts you very bluntly in a location. Uh, and then this the set just sort of dissolves and we move forward into the next one. Kind of, kind of. my goal is that it, the language just sort of cuts from one location to the next. So... That's our way into it. We give it this kind of corporate um, environment, and if you sort of squint, it also the color palette might look like the House of Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. And on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the SCR podcast. Uh, many thanks to Sarah Burgess and Damaso Rodriguez. Sarah's play Kings runs October 13th through November 10th, 2018 at SCR with Damaso directing. Sarah, Damaso, it's been great talking with you. Our recording engineer is Mike Ritchie. I'm Andy Knight. For more information on this and other productions at Orange County's Tony Award-winning theater, visit us online at scr.org.